Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show, Manic Monday. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it's Lunes. We are hyped up. Give us a call. We're talking some sports. 718-664-9098. Like always, RayandTayToday.com. Tweet at us at Ray and Tay Today. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes. We're social. We're social gentlemen. And, uh, and we love talking sports with friends. You want to send us your emails? Talking some sports, Ray and Tate today at gmail.com. Ray, we got a lot to talk about. You know, we're too bad we're not there for opening night for the, the media um, as the Falcons and Patriots are getting ready for the silly questions. We'll talk about football in a minute. But we first got to start with the legends. Ray, how amazing and how impressed were you with Serena and Roger, number 23? and number 18, and basically, are we at the point where we could say they are the GOATs of their, of their sports, female tennis and men's tennis? Yes. I mean, unequivocally, I, I can't see anybody in either draw who even has a legitimate claim to be better. If Rafael Nadal had won, he'd have had 15 to Federer 17, and then he probably missed some time with his knee, and he's 30 years old. So he could argue that he is the next best and maybe could eventually become number one. Djokovic, look, also a guy, if, if in the next five years or so, can win you know, six or seven majors, has a chance. But right now, Roger Federer is the GOAT, and hands down. I mean, I don't think anybody can even – uh, it's closer on the men's side, though, because Serena Williams is, is really just blows everybody away. Steffi Graf, Martina, uh, it doesn't matter. She She's the GOAT. She she really is. She yeah, is. and we love Steffi and Martina, Chris Ever, you know, Chris Everett Lloyd, but you said it. I mean, Ray, 23 and just the, 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 and the span dominance. of years. The years of the dominance is amazing as well, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing. Talk about a young man's game. I mean, only gymnastics, I can only think of, is is a younger person's sport. But to be, they're both 35. To both be 35 and winning, and winning convincingly, right? It it wasn't like they got there by luck and, and, and the top, you know, five or six people fell to injury and they had people walk off the court you know, forfeiting the match. No, they went out and beat whoever they had to beat and looked great doing it. So kudos to them at age 35 in a young man's sport to go prove why they are the GOAT. And give uh, Federer so much credit because, remember, you're talking about Nadal with the 14. He's 6-3 uh, to three over Federer. So 
that shows you right there what a good number two he is. And we both talk about how the Joker is on the rise. And it's hard, right? Because, I mean, the way they these guys are kind of banging heads and you throw in Murray, so those like Fantastic Four, it was the same thing when we were younger, when you had Borg, McEnroe, Connors, you know, Yvonne Lendl. Those guys were the Fantastic Four, and there were other guys even close to them. But those four were banging heads. So it's like they all kind of take turns winning majors. You know what I mean? So it's it's great. And, and it's good to see tennis uh, getting some top billing uh, in, you know, sports radio across America, ESPN, everywhere, because it's just a great sport. And when you have, you know, major champions, you know, and, and great championships, it's, uh, it's very exciting. So let's keep it moving, man, to college hoops, because, Ray, this was – I felt like this was the coming out party this weekend for the season. I don't know if you agree, but, I mean, to me, so many great games. And after a week of one, two, and four losing during the week, we knew that the top 25 would have its fifth number one of the season. And sure enough, Gonzaga at 22-0 and has filled that spot. Baylor, who I thought would be number two, like you said, barely by one point over their Big 12 uh, you know, roommates, Kansas 3, with that great win over Kentucky. Villanova 4 that survived Virginia. Arizona 5. Louisville moved up a lot, had a good week. 6. West Virginia, we know about that. Press Virginia defense at 7. Kentucky 8. Virginia 9. And Wisconsin 10. Are you um, concerned if you were, let's say, a Tar Heel or UCLA fan where they might have had kind of a, a rough week, you know, the ACC had some upsets this weekend and UCLA coming off, you know, kind of a rough week. Any thoughts on those two powerhouses and will they get back in the top ten? I think they will. Ultimately, I care much less about rankings in college basketball because they play it on the field in March or on the court uh in pro uh sorry in in the NFL they do the power rankings don't don't even care about those in in college football it kind of matters because of the whole you know who gets the final four who goes to the to the top bowl games but in terms of UCLA and Carolina look I think they're both tournament type teams um your guards win it for you in the tournament ultimately once in a while, you get a Danny Manning or a Carmelo Anthony. But ultimately, it's about guard play. And Carolina has experience at the guards, and UCLA has experience in Alford and just fantastic, dynamic freshman playing ball. Uh, so they're, both of those teams look like they could be fine, and the depth of Carolina is just, you know, you don't want to meet Carolina, right? So the, the, the teams now are, are worthy of – their positioning, but I don't think that Carolina and UCLA are, you know, barely top 12, top 13 teams. I think ultimately they're top five, six teams. So they'll be fine come tournament time. Not worried about it. Yeah, no, that, that that's fair. I think obviously we've got a, a 20 and 21 playing each other right now. Notre Dame Duke, they've been going back and forth. The first, the whole first half uh, should be a game that comes down to the wire. We know Notre Dame Last couple of years, they've kind of had Duke's number. My Terps, Ray, number 17, you know, you, you got to like that. Up. And 
Yeah, I say that to say tomorrow, right, you've got Ohio State, Maryland, and Super Tuesday, and then Kentucky, Georgia, where we finally bid adieu and say goodbye to a giant legend. And, and this year alone, to lose Vince Gully, to lose Vern Lundquist, to lose um, – who else just retired? Oh, my gosh. Who's the other guy? <clears throat> Dick Enberg. And Dick now Edward, Brent yeah. Musburger. I mean, that is, I don't even can't imagine in one year to have, you know, four or five legends and giants to step down from sports broadcasting. But, you know, Brent made it clear that, you know, he was ready and this is his last game. Did so, you know what he's I mean, doing? He's going to help his brother in Vegas run a sports book. Well, that's what I was going to get to and ask you about. Are you surprised that he's kind of leaving midseason? As much as he's still involved with the NBA and college hoops, it's kind of jarring, right? I mean, I don't know if anyone saw this coming. You know, we know we know he does, you know, basketball still. He does, you know. But, I mean, were you are you surprised? I mean, and also Chris Berman is the other one. But are you surprised we're losing uh, – Brent Musburger, you were looking in live. <laughs> the NFL Remember Today, that? I mean, he's the, in, he's the godfather NFL of the Today, studio show. With Jane Kennedy, you are looking, and Jimmy the Greek, you yeah. are looking live at Earth Texas Ross. Stadium. Uh, or at, uh, you know, whatever, at the yeah. vet in Philly. It was, he's the best. He, he, January 31st was a weird date. I mean, I don't know if that was a contracted thing or if he just said, that's it, end of January. But that date doesn't make sense on any sports person's calendar. You know, it's not a, a natural break. Um, unless no, you're doing no, football really. and you don't do the Super Bowl, I guess January 31st makes sense. So if you're, if you're an announcer on one of, you know, either Fox or ESPN or CBS. But I don't get it. I, I really don't get that date midseason. So you're right. That, that, that's a head-scratcher. I mean, I would think that, you know, April for college basketball, June for pro basketball, uh, December for for uh, NFL, but January 31st, weird one. But anyway, nothing but great memories of Brent. Oh, he's he's the best. And you know, the other night to hear him and Dick Vitale, and it was a blowout game, Oklahoma, Florida. Um, you know, they were just going down memory lane of all the great events he's done, and you know. I, I just thought it was I thought it was awesome. You know, we were talking and we're just talking to college basketball. I just wanted to point out a, a gentleman to you because sometimes, you know, when we do our segments, we like to look at different people that people are sleeping on or don't know about. And there's a gentleman, right, I wanted to throw at you. He's a junior, number three from Central Michigan. And his name is Marcus Keene. He is five nine, one seventy five, but Ray he leads college basketball in scoring, 30.3 points a game. I had a 50-pointer a week ago, right? Yeah, 4.5 rebounds and 5.2 assists. This is at 5-9, right? I mean, he's, you know, Central Michigan is still a pretty, you know, major school. I'm like, wow, this kid is doing it. So I just, I just had to give him some love. Marcus K. I mean, you know, he might not be a pro prospect. Who knows? Maybe a five nine. He might be one of those amazing scoring quick point guards that can, you know, be a backup in the NBA. Like the kid in Cleveland, Fielder. 
Yeah, I, I think he can be. I think he might be the next one, but he's just somebody I, I just wanted to, you know, I mean, not only is he the leading scorer, but we got to keep our eye out on this kid. Um, that's impressive. Wow. <laughs> that is, uh, you know, 5'9", you're getting four boards and five assists and 30 points. You're, you're, you're playing some ball, right? <laughs> yeah, man. And that's like Isaiah Thomas said. It ain't like we in high school. He's not doing against this against high school competition. I mean, it's a legit D1 basketball. Well, that's the perfect segue, Ray, because it's time to talk some NBA. And as you mentioned, the the Boston Celtics and Isaiah Thomas, and you know, we know his second year as an All Star. His Celtics have just moved up to the two seed. And we've got all these trade rumors from Mello and maybe DeMarcus Cousins and Rudy Gay and, you know, the Clippers and this. And, you know, Cleveland was trying to get um, DJ Augustine and then it said TJ McConnell. But I'll tell you this, the Boston Celtics, you know, now a, a half a game ahead of Toronto, that'd be the two seed, but only three and a half behind Cleveland and only five and a half games from the, you know, Washington Wizards at the fifth seed behind the Cavs. And all of a sudden, Ray, the Eastern Conference, not that, you know, we're going to see the Cavs fall, but LeBron's concerns are major, or we all know are mainly for the battle with the Warriors and or Spurs and the championship. But with JR still being out for a while, Kevin Love's back hurting, Kyle Korver still trying to adjust, and no backup point guard, if they don't make any moves, which I do think they need to, um, could this be the one year where potentially if a Boston or Toronto makes another move to, you know, just get one more stud, could Cleveland be had? Do you think this no. could be a year? No. Not at all. Wash your, wash your mouth out with soap. Not in the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Not in the Eastern Conference. Because – no matter who the Eastern Conference has and who these teams get, I mean, maybe Boogie Cousins changes the changes the philosophy, but I don't know if a Boogie Cousins comes to you know the Boston Celtics, you know, in February, that's gonna that's gonna work out. But the teams in the East are so much inferior, so inferior to the Cavs in a seven-game series in Cleveland, where that seventh game is in Cleveland, that they have no chance. I mean, unless you have a major injury to Kyrie or LeBron, pencil them into the finals. So none of these Eastern Conference teams. Now, remember that the Cleveland Cavs have had their worst stretch ever, you know, in the in the post-LeBron era, right? They are, I mean, I guess they've four out of, four out of the last ten. They've only won four out of the last ten. They lost at one point. It was five of seven. Yeah. They just won, so then it became five of eight. So ultimately, they're fine to get through the East. The question, though, is the West, right? And and really, the question is not even. I don't think even it's the Spurs. It's really it's really the Warriors. It's the one team that they are. Look, they should have. I don't want to say this. This sounds a little blasphemy, but they could have very easily lost last year, right? You, you're down 3-1. That means the other team is just as good as you are, right? They right. won. And, and the they Draymond injury was a factor. Right? I mean, the Draymond suspension was a huge right. factor. You all know that. So, if you think about it, they could have lost 
4-1. They could have lost in a series 4-1. Ty Lue wouldn't have been the Messiah. People would have been so angry. They would would have been talking about blowing up that team. So they're one Draymond Green kicking the privates away from losing 4-1. So this team is a bad matchup for them. They're the one but team Ray, in the exactly league. But, Ray, that's exactly why LeBron's going crazy, don't you think? To me, uh, that's no, what I agree with LeBron said. 100%. Yeah. And that's why I think I mean, he's got to get – first of all, I would have taken Melo over Kevin Love and done that trade. I think the Cavs were stupid for not doing it um, 99 times out of 100 because, to me, Kevin Love's five years younger, but his body's breaking down. And Melo doesn't just stand out there in a three-point line you know, Melo can move around to get his own shots, and is more of a playmaker and a creator than Kevin Love. So I think LeBron and, and, and Melo have played well together before. And to me, that was a huge mistake. And maybe they can still revisit it. As a Knicks fan, I don't want Kevin Love. But I'll tell you, if LeBron gets Melo, wow, he, then, then they're really going to be ready to fight with the Warriors because that's what they need. Kevin Love, 20 and 10 is nice. But LeBron and Melo and Kyrie, that's a little bit nicer to me. Yeah, but there's only one ball, though. And is that really what they're, what they're missing? Another ISO scorer? Uh, and also the question is, do you want this guy in February? I mean, it's different to get him in, in November. Yeah, but I mean, but I, I don't think the adjustment would be a difficult because – Melo's played with Kyrie and LeBron, and LeBron can adjust to anything. I think the question would be, are you losing, you know, rebounding the three-point percentage and shots is about a wash, you know. But to me, I think Melo's proven that he does pretty well at the stretch four and can do that in the Eastern Conference for long stretches of time. Plus, sometimes defensively, LeBron can stick the four anyway. I I just think if they're going to do something, yeah, I still think you need a backup point guard. If you could get – DJ Augustine or TJ McConnell, fine. But Why to is me, it so hard to get a backup point guard? I feel like there's so many of these guys running around the league that you should well, be able to the get Well, the rumor is, is that they're looking at um, Norris Cole or, you know, maybe Darren Williams because a lot of these guys, are gonna, you know, after the trade deadline, they, teams just start buying out the rest of the guys' contracts. So they're saying, well, maybe they'll get Darren Williams from Dallas. Maybe they'll get uh, uh, Mario Chalmers, Norris Cole. And remember, like LeBron points out, they only have 14 guys under contract. So they have a roster spot, and they've got the trade exemption, $4 million trade exemption. So we'll see what happens. I think they're going to do something. Look, they've got their own issues. I think what's funny with Chicago having their issues, and we talked about it the other day, they are who we thought they are. But, you know, look, at the end of the day, it's still, I mean, no big deal. They just beat, just beat the Sixers without Joel Embiid, so you expect that. But they still are the seventh seed. They're not going to do anything, but this is a bigger question. People are talking about them trading their superstar, Jimmy Butler, and kind of revamp the whole squad. And I'm like, really? Jimmy's kind of rare because he's a self-made superstar that plays offense and defense. To me, I don't think, you know, he's like the poor man's Kawhi Leonard in that way. I don't think you give up a Jimmy Butler. I, what, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I keep Jimmy I Butler. Think it, I, think it, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. A year after they decided to get rid of Derrick Rose and give the team to J- 
Jimmy Butler. Now yeah. they're bringing in, a, and, and no disrespect, but an over-the-hill Dwayne Wade and yeah. a problem in Rajon Rondo. And, and he was right in that argument, but, but there's a reason why, for, or I don't know there's a reason, but for some reason he just doesn't get along with coaches. Like coaches, maybe he's too much of a cerebral cat and, and he thinks his own way and he beats to his own drum. But you, you make these moves, and, and I would argue that the one person you don't move is Jimmy Butler. Everybody else can go. Including Dwayne Wade, who's who's basically over the hill and doesn't practice, and his body talk about bodies breaking down, and you're paying him twenty million. And and again, no disrespect, you know, maybe the best, second best, third best, fourth best, you know, two guard you know, of all time. I mean, obviously not the best, but you know, top five uh, shooting guard of all time. Yeah, but I think we had him ranked behind Kobe. We had him number three, I think, right, behind Jerry West. Kobe and Jordan. Yeah. But. That team is Jimmy Butler's team. I don't even understand. Who are you getting for Jimmy Butler? Who are you trading Jimmy Butler for? Well, that's the thing, and I don't know if they want to revamp, and they were saying maybe Jimmy Butler could go to the Celtics. Now, that's interesting, Ray. And they get I that Brooklyn pick. I love the Celtics pick. perspective, but who are you getting? Al Horford? Isaiah Thomas? No, who no. Maybe, they, maybe they're rebuilding. Maybe they're getting Avery Bradley. Maybe they're getting, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, maybe they're getting can't Avery Bradley in an environment Avery where Brown, the number one pick and Jamison Crowd. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. The the one situation that I would say when you look in right now in the NBA and we saw it Saturday night, not that the Clippers have Chris Paul and I know they will, you know, maybe they might get mellow on the cheap, which would be a steal. And maybe they could contend with Golden State. But that whooping that the Warriors put on the Clippers Saturday night, and I call it a whooping, Ray, they're 41-7. and seven. They're the best offensive team, the best defensive team, all the efficiency numbers. The Golden State Warriors, they might be better than the 73 team from last year. Not as deep, but just better. I mean, the game is so easy. Durant is having his best season ever, and it's less shots. He's more efficient. This team is just beautiful basketball to watch, and I got to tell you, man, they're must-see TV. It's, I mean, when Curry hit those three-pointers, what he hit, like four in a row, and it was just insane. I was like, wow, this is crazy to watch, you know? And I think you're absolutely right that they probably are better. If you think there's only 48 minutes in a game, so if you have to play this team at every point in time, they're going to have an all-star or two up to four on the court at one time. Not only that, but all of their players are two-way players that impact the game. Now, Steph Curry is a little bit weak on defense, but he's still, you know, he's, he's, he's like the Allen Iverson guy, right? Leads the league in steals and can make things happen. But certainly Draymond Green is, is a, uh, an unbelievable two-way player. Clay Thompson's an unbelievable two-way player. And even Kevin Durant's doing a lot more on defense these days. So oh, yeah. this team, those top four, I mean, unless you, you – Take LeBron and Curry, uh, sorry, LeBron and, and Kyrie Irving. They have four of the top five, or in the Cleveland's case, four of the top six players are on their team. And there's only 48 minutes in a game. And even though we like to go deep, Pat Riley showed us that you don't really have to go that deep in the, in the playoffs and have that deep a bench. So all you need is seven capable guys, and they've got four of the best in the league. 
they're a tough out. They're tough to beat. They are. Now, Ray, before we close with uh, with some Super Bowl talk and, and a little NFL news, I just had to give some props to, uh, you know, my union. You know, I'm a union guy. The SAG Awards last night was pretty amazing, and I'm just proud of, you know, how they voted. Hidden Figures got Best Picture with Kevin Costner, Octavia Spencer, Taraji P., you know, Henson, and, and just the whole story with uh, the women that helped put John Glenn in space. Um, Emma Stone, best actress from La La Land, very deserving. And she's from out here in Arizona. And then, of course, you know, New York's finest, Denzel Washington, uh, best actor. And uh, I thought it was good. And, and, you know, just a lot of people, Lily Tomlin was honored for, you know, Lifetime Achievement. And so many people, John Lithgow won for Crown. But, and, and just to see the artists and the actors kind of, you know, join together to kind of go against the, the president's immigration ban. I thought it was beautiful. And it was just, uh, it was really nice to hear, you know, just people talk about uh, inclusion and love and, and just uh, even the actors, uh, the guy, the gentleman from Moonlight, he spoke about how he's a Muslim and his mother's a Christian and they, you know, they, they love each other and they make it work. And I just, I, I really thought it was, it was really cool, you know, so just wanted to say that, you know, SAG Awards, you know, 23 years, that's my, that's my union, Ray, that's my union. SAG, baby. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. So speaking of actors, tonight, these players at opening night, it used to be media day on Tuesday. Well, now it's NFL Super Bowl opening night. And tonight, these guys are going to have to face some silly questions. What's your favorite cartoon? Who would you marry? Spell this, spell that. But who do you think are the two guys? I mean, we already know for the Patriots, Martellus Bennett will be the, the fun guy and the clown. Who do you think will be an interesting interview for the Falcons tonight, Ray? You know, it's funny because I really don't have a feel for these guys off the field. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know, is Devontae Freeman a funny dude? Is, uh, well, he did say today guy? he wants some more money, so he, he ain't funny about his money, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's true. That's true. Vic Be- Easy, Vic Beasley, I, I'm not sure. So, you know, yeah. and I'm going to sit back and watch. And, <laughs> you know, I'm all about, like, off, offbeat questions. But let's let's have them be a little bit, you know, funny and informative, not just right. stupid, <laughs> not just ask a question to, to ask the question. Let's ask a question that would be like, oh, that's interesting to get the answer to. You know what I mean? Let's get something that, that will entertain us, not just make us not just make us sit back there and be like, oh, God, another one of these crazy questions. Definitely. Well, give me your thoughts real quick about, about Chris Ballard, who was with the Chiefs, um, you know, now the GM of the Colts, and then our guy, uh, uh, Hall of Fame finalist this year, the safety from Tampa, also the Broncos, John Lynch, who is leaving Fox Broadcast and become the Niners GM, along with Kyle Shanahan's six-year deals for both of them is going to come down once, you know, Monday morning comes after the Super Bowl. Uh, your thoughts on Ballard and uh, who says Pavano will be there definitely one year next year, but no guarantees after that. And uh, Lynch, what do, what do you think about those hires? Because I kind of like well, them. Well, I like them too. I think Ballard seems to be a good guy. I like that Indianapolis job. I mean, I think that the the players like Pagano. So you just give him 
some different people, different characters, different chess pieces. Andrew Luck, this is a critical time in Andrew Luck's career, right? You don't want Andrew Luck to be this frustrated gunslinger who keeps making these mistakes. He's too smart. He's too good for that. You want to get him set because he's at the peak of his career right now. I mean, this is the next five to seven years is Andrew Luck time. I mean, this is when Drew Brees really hit his gear. This is when, you know, all these quarterbacks yeah. start. Maybe five maybe years, right? Start. He's going to leave five years. This is gonna yeah, be maybe started out slowly. This is when they hit their stride. So this is a critical time in Andrew Luck's career. So I think that's a good hire. The one thing I will say about the Broncos, now maybe it's, it's funny money. Sorry, not the Broncos, but the um, – Niners. The Niners. Maybe it's funny money, but six years is an awfully long time in football terms to to guarantee guys for a first role. Now, maybe maybe the York uh, family. But I think Jed York. But I think he's learning from his own mistakes because he just came off of you know two back to back years of hiring and firing coaches, and now he feels he's got a coach and a GM that like each other and want to be together. So he's like, yeah, but hey, you're not. But job. you're not hiring, you know, Bill Belichick and uh, uh, who's the best GM in the league these days? Uh, Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I don't know Bill, that you're Bill hiring Polian, guys. Yeah, no. I'm saying Bill, Bill, Bill Polian and, and, and Bill Belichick. Let's say, you know what I'm saying? You're hiring guys that have ne- have done neither job and <laughs> never right. have done their job before for six years. So it just seems like that's a long time. I mean, I would have done four years maybe. Uh, look, at the end of the day, all it means is a larger buyout if, if, if things don't work out in three or four years. But I, I do wish them well, and I think that the San Francisco project now, I look at their roster, and that is a, that's a four-year project, three, four-year project. At a right. And first got to get the quarterback no matter what. Real quick before we go, Ray, how about the Astros getting two uh, the first two draft picks from the Cardinals for uh, the mischief the Cardinals did? You know the espionage in their organization. I like you know, you it. Talk- I mean, I like yeah. it. You got to drop like the hammer. It's ridiculous. You can't be spying on other teams and taking their spreadsheets yeah. and you know getting getting their information. What is this? The Cold War? I mean, this is baseball. You know, compete on the field. What is this nonsense? So, yeah, drop the hammer on them. I like it. Yeah, they were saying that they wanted more. But, um, I, you know, look, you're getting – I forgot the numbers. It was like the 20-something pick and the 50-something pick or something. But, hey, they get their two first, first and second round pick. Um, you know, and that's good for the Astros because they're a team that is, you know, got a lot of talent in their system and a lot of young talent, and they're trying to get to the World Series. They're trying to beat the Cardinals, basically, and be good for 10 years. So, let's see – how that plays out. Ray, Friday, big show. It is the official Ray and Tay Super Bowl preview show. We're talking all Super Bowl, breaking down both teams, all phases, offense, defense, coaching, special teams, and we will give you our prediction. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, I tell you, first blush, Ray, these teams, what, it's 58 and a half points, the over-under, and a three-point spread. And, boy, every time I think about a prediction, I'm right in, in those places. You know what I mean? 58. So that means if you're going with the over, you're talking about a 60-point game. You're talking about a, like a 30-29 to 29 game. Wow. I – I, it's hard to say over at 58 and a half. It's very hard to say that, right? But when you look at these offenses, you're like, goodness gracious, they could score in so many ways. So, well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And we'll also give you 
the awards, you know, because Saturday night is NFL, you know, Saturday night where we will find out who goes to Hall of Fame. We've already kind of discussed that, but also MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Fantasy Player, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Year, you know, so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, and also Man of the Year, Eli Manning, um, Greg Olson, Larry and Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Yeah. yeah. So, so, all right, well, have a great week. Enjoy this college basketball. Thank you, Brett Musburger, for the memories. And um, we will we'll be back Friday.